and I get like teary eyed when I, when I talk about this because it was so heavy for me, you know, at the time it was so heavy. It was so, it was one of the hardest things to do, you know, to look at these legs that I felt like had betrayed me that hadn't been the legs that I want that wanted them to be, or the arms or the you know body or my face or my scalp or whatever part of my body it might've been. And just say, I see you. I'm sorry that, you know, you're in so much pain and I love you. This is your Kick-Ass Life podcast, episode number 258 with guest Nitika Chopra. This is the Your Kick-Ass Life podcast with Andrea Owen, a no BS guide to self-help and badassery. Because ladies, let's face it, life's too short for it to not kick ass. And here's your host, the girl who serves it up straight with a side of crazy, Andrea Owen. Hey there, ass kickers. Welcome to another episode of the podcast. And as always, I am so glad that you are here. Happy December. It's December. I'm going to do that thing that so many middle-aged people do. How is it already December? This year just flew by. I know. I, I all the time in emails, right? Like, <laughs> And from everybody. How is it already the end of 2018? Because time flies. It just happens that way. But if you're anything like me, you're kind of winding down this year and thinking about the holidays. And if you've been a follower of the podcast and or my blog for a long time, you know that I'm not a huge fan of New Year's resolutions. I don't feel inspired or extraordinarily motivated in the new year, which I feel like we're supposed to. Me, especially as someone who teaches personal development, but I don't. I I really am the kind of person where, especially since we moved out of Southern California to a place where we do feel the winter and I kind of want to rest. Like winter is sort of like the animals. I want to hibernate. I want to rest. I want to rejuvenate. And then when spring comes, when March hits is where I really find my motivation and inspiration. So can we all just agree that the new year starts in the spring? I would like to make that a thing, like fetch. Let's make fetch happen, and let's also make spring be the new new year. Speaking of spring, I mentioned, I think on last week's podcast, that I'm excited because there are some changes happening over here at Your Kick-Ass Life. I mean, not big ones, and probably, again, more of the thing that I'm the most excited about, and everybody else is like, yay, woohoo for you, thumbs up. But I'm having a new website developed, and also, really, what I am wanting, you know, some people have like a word of the year, and I think that's great. If that works for you, by all means, please run with it. It's never really resonated with me. I like to just think about who am I stepping into? Who am I shedding? What are the parts of myself that are no longer serving me anymore that I want to love and honor that, but also let that part go and step into this newer version of myself? And I, you know, it's so funny. All right. I ha- I got a private message from a woman that we're, we kind of run in the same entrepreneurial coach circles and we kind of know each other from afar. And she commented and she said something like, LOL. Hey girl, I love your post. It's like, I don't even remember what post it was on Instagram. I never knew you were so funny. And what's interesting about that is that I, I'm working with a branding person. And one of the first things I said to her when I hired her was I've always had a hard time marrying my sense of humor with personal development. I feel like 
there are some things in personal development that aren't funny. And that's true. There are some things that aren't funny, but for the most part, I love to laugh at life. The less seriously we take it, I feel like the easier it is to move through it and become resilient because at the end of the day, that's what we're all here for. We're here for solving our problems and becoming resilient to said problems. And sometimes it's tricky because you don't want to make light of things. And I for sure have offended some people with my sense of humor. Oh my God, have I done that over the last 10 years? And sometimes it's like, okay, you just can't, you just can't not offend people in this day and age. But alas, I feel like I have not really shown the full side of my sense of humor. I think I did in the very, very beginning, you know, circa 2010, 2011. And then I sort of was like, all right, it's time to get a little bit more serious. And and my work transformed too. I did dive deeper into... I don't know, bigger topics. You know, shame is kind of as big as it gets, right? (laughs) Is there anything else that's deeper and more intense than studying shame and working on shame? I don't know. I hope not because it's a doozy. All that to say, website coming out in the spring is definitely going to showcase my sense of humor. And lately I've been inspired to do some things that I've really missed doing that I used to do very early on in my business that I just don't anymore. But funny stuff coming up in 2019. And it might be one of those things where, so my best friend, Amy Smith, she and I used to do a lot of like funny videos together and her husband, also known as Mr. Smith, if you listen to her podcast, she's over at the Joy Junkie. He says, you know, sometimes I think that maybe you and Andrea are the only ones who think you're funny. (laughs) which very well may be. And if so, I'm kind of okay with that because I can entertain myself till the cows come home. Another little bit of evidence on that is my husband and I celebrated our 10-year wedding anniversary in July. And I said to him that day, well, if nothing else, honey, at least I've kept you entertained over these last 10 years of marriage. And he goes, what do you mean? And I said, well, you know, with like all of my funny songs and my little dances that I do all the time. And he goes, honey, I think you keep yourself entertained with all of your songs and dances. (laughs) I was like, all right, I actually, I don't, I'll take that as a compliment. And if you follow me on Instagram and you watch my Instagram stories, you hear all the songs that I make up and sing to my dog. I sing similar songs to my children and it drives them a little bit crazy, but I'm going to stop going on and on about that. I just am really excited and just pumped about 2019 and showcasing more of my sense of humor and just really letting you in a little bit more to that side of me. I felt like I've kept it a little more serious and for good reason, teaching big topics takes an element of serious. But I'm ready to shed that total persona and sort of marry those two, marrying personal development and my sense of humor to really show you who I truly am. I hope you enjoy it. And if you don't, I have the tools to be okay with that. (laughs) Anyway, 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 I am excited about today's guest. She's someone I've wanted to have on the podcast for a while now. So before we jump into that, 
Let me tell you a little bit about Nitika. And actually, before I forget, I have one spot open, one solo spot open for one-on-one private coaching. We would probably get started in the new year if you applied within the next couple of weeks. Head on over to yourkickasslife.com slash coaching. I do the Daring Way one-on-one, and that's what you will read about on that page. I also do a more general life coaching package for people who may not be interested in that kind of intense work but you need kind of a kick in the ass. There's something that you want to do and you just have been procrastinating, dragging your feet, maybe some self-sabotaging, maybe any or all of the behaviors that you read in my last book, How to Stop Feeling Like Shit. I also have that package, again, for people not yet ready or just not interested in The Daring Way. But those of you that are interested in doing The Daring Way privately with me, head on over to yourkickasslife.com slash coaching. Either way, just shoot us an email and we will be able to help you out. Okay, so now let me tell you a little bit about Nitika. Nitika Chopra has been a leader in the wellness industry since she founded her blog in 2010. Known for her straightforward tone and intense vulnerability, Nitika recently took everything she had learned from suffering with psoriasis and psoriatic arthritis for the past 27 years and created a conversation about self-love in the chronic illness community. With her experience in public speaking, her highly engaged social media following, and her raw and honest writing that she shares weekly on her blog, Nitika is determined to get honest with her audience so that they can get honest with themselves in a way that truly transforms lives. So without further ado, here is Nitika. Nitika, welcome to the show. Thanks for being here. Thank you so much for having me. We were just chatting that you and I haven't talked in like four years, but it seems like five minutes because I don't know about you. I know I'm a lot older than you, but <laughs> when you get older, time does fly. It sounds cliche. Yes. But yes. It, we met at Soul Camp in 2015 and I instantly, you know, just your energy and and what you exude just from everything from your dimples to just your energy is just so magnetic. And I know you talk a lot about self-love. And where I would love to start is what your journey looked like, because it doesn't sound like you just came out of the womb, evolved and <laughs> loving yourself. And I know that you've struggled with uh, a debilitating case of psoriasis since you were a, a child, right? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I'd love to know more about that journey. Sure. Yeah. Well, first of all, thank you for, for having me. I'm so pumped to be on your podcast and, um, yeah, the journey, the self-love, I mean, I'm sure many people have heard that, you know, we teach what we need to learn. Yeah. Uh, so that kind of sums it up. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I really needed to learn about self-love and that's why I talk about it so much. Um, and I was diagnosed with psoriasis, which is an autoimmune condition that, creates like scaly, thick, itchy patches of skin all over your body. Um, and I was diagnosed with that at the age of 10 and I'm 37 now. So, um, you know, I've had it for 27 years and it's been a really intense journey. It's been deeply humbling. It's been, you know, it's brought me to my knees many, many, many times over. And it's also taught me so much about my own strength. It's taught me a lot about empathy but yeah, the journey was, was not easy. You know, when I was diagnosed, no one in my family really knew what it was. I, my parents had had like a little bit of eczema, which is another, I call like sister condition. That's kind of common. Mm -hmm. And I was like, okay, like, you know, maybe it's just that it's not going to be a big deal. Um, it'll just pass. And then before I knew it, it was, 
covering 95% of my body for over 16 years of my life. Yeah. It was really intense. It's interesting because now people see me all the time and they, you know, don't see psoriasis and they don't see that because I've got it under control over various different ways. But yeah, it was like that for 16 years of my life. So I lived every day basically being reminded of being different than everyone, um, not being, you know, the way everybody else looks, being in physical turmoil and pain and frustration. And, you know, there were so many layers to that. So I always say my lens is psoriasis, but I feel like everybody has their own version of that lens, right? It's like, oh, I'm, I've struggled with my weight my whole life or you know, I'm, I'm a different skin color than everybody that I grew up with or whatever it might be. You know what I mean? Like everybody's kind of got that lens that has us maybe look at ourselves like we're not good enough or we're not the same or, Mm -hmm. yeah. And I think that friction, you know, it can cause you to be really negative and depressed or it can cause you to want more for yourself. And I think for me, it just like made me want more. So, yeah. Oh, it's interesting. So, okay, I'm curious about this because mm-hmm. I think that many people who are interested in personal development and and working it through their life, many of them can kind of pinpoint the time where they first heard about self-love. I know for me it was this woman who was a a counselor at my college and I was going through a horrible divorce and I went into her office really, truly out of desperation because I was just in so much pain and still had this full load of classes that I was, I was trying to do well in. And she started talking about self-love and I, I was taking notes because she was saying so many profound things. I was like, I need to, I need to write this down. And I had I, I remember thinking like, I don't know what that means. And I felt kind of dumb. <laughs> but anyway, that's just my journey. I'm curious, like, when did you first hear about self-love? Did your parents talk about personal development or was it on Oprah or what was your, what was your moment? That's a good question. You know, I don't know that I had like one moment. I think where I had one moment was learning about personal development for sure. Um, when I was 19, it was the first time I had ever heard about personal development. And Um, I was already almost a decade into my diagnosis by then. And I actually met a man who I ended up marrying. Um, We got divorced like four years later. But my ex-husband, he actually taught me about it, which is like so random. I never really talk about this part. But yeah, he had taken this course called the Landmark Forum, which a lot of people might know know about. I never took it, but I know people who have. Yeah. And there's like all kinds of theories about it and, you know, people love it, people don't, whatever. But for me, I was 19 and it was like the exact kind of awakening moment that I needed because it was just like a crash course in Mm self-help basically. So that was kind of my first moment. And it was this course basically teaches you, you know, essentially there's so many things that it teaches you, but it kind of starts the process of you becoming the observer of your life versus like being a victim of mm-hmm. your life. And that's a very, you know, simple way of, of, you know, summing it up, but that's the essentially like what it talks about. And I had never even heard that concept before, you know? So I was sitting there, you know, sick for 10 years and I, I felt like a total victim. Sure. I mean, not only was I like a teenager, so that's, like, mm-hmm, you know, mm-hmm. hard as it is for just the average teenager, but then on top of that, I had all this other stuff. So I, I had never heard of that concept until then. And that kind of was the first step into me understanding personal development. And then I went on a, 
a journey for probably the next 10 years after that, you know, doing all kinds of, I've trained to be a life coach and I learned about all these different programs and I, you know, read all the books and I hired all the coaches and I did all the things. And I would say now I've kind of settled on like my own thoughts and theories about things. Um, I don't actually believe a lot of the things that people talk about in the self-help industry, to be honest with you. It's, I think there's a lot. Yeah. I think actually there was a time when I was learning about self-help where it was actually more, it was doing more harm than it was doing good. Mm -hmm. And I don't think enough people talk about that, that like self-help can actually be very toxic. Well, let's talk about that then. So now now you sparked my curiosity. Yeah. Yeah. What do you want to know? Like, what do I mean by that? What can you give us an example of where you think personal development can be more harmful than helpful? Absolutely. In the conversation around manifestation and like thinking specific thoughts, like the most vivid memory that I have around this was when I was 25 years old and I had spent the last several years learning about the secret and manifestation. Mm -hmm. And I was not trying to like manipulate the universe. I genuinely thought that if I just thought positive things about my body, that I would be okay, that it was up to me to make myself healthy and it's solely up to my thoughts because that's what they were teaching me. (sighs) And I laid in bed at the age of 25 I hadn't taken any medication for my health because I believed this so strongly. I actually had tried medication before I learned about this and it had backfired. So then I thought maybe this was the way. So I wasn't taking medication. I was barely able to move because I was diagnosed with psoriatic arthritis at the age of 19. My bones were getting deformed and I was lying in bed day after day after day trying to manifest the shit out of my body. Wow. And I will never like apologize for how furious this entire thing makes me because I I know I am not the only one. I know I am not the only one, whether it was trying to manifest my divorce from not happening, like trying to make sure that my husband and I stayed together or trying to make sure my body healed. The amount of pressure that I put on myself was completely damaging and toxic. Mm-hmm. And then finally, when I was 25, like that was the, the breaking point. And I just said to my, I called my parents who were living in Hong Kong at the time. I was alone here in New York city, just having gotten divorced. And I was like, I know I keep talking about God and how God wants the best for me and spirituality and all this stuff. But I think God also made medicine for a reason. And maybe I should try some again, <laughs> like rocket science, not yeah. really, but it's like the opposite of what that industry was telling me, you know? And so honestly, like it's brought me so much peace and freedom and joy and all the things too. I'm not saying it's only negative by any means. My whole life is, you know, in the way that it is, which I'm very happy about in so many ways because of the industry, but there's a lot of toxic energy in, in the way that things are like led and portrayed and, I am just so passionate about making sure people do not put that kind of pressure on themselves. themselves. It's like a yes and, Mm -hmm. you know, like, yes, but there's more. Yeah. Yeah. And there's more. I'm, I'm, well, I'm glad you said that. And again, this is one of those ways where I I just never know where conversations are going to end up. And I, Mm -hmm. I think I've touched on this in other interviews before, but 
I personally, when, so when my whole life fell apart in 2006, so that was right around the time where that movie came out. The Secret. Mm. And it was one of the very first movies that my current husband and I watched together. And I had told him about it and he wasn't into the that really, but I'm like, there's this movie came out and it was a book before and I haven't read the book, but let's watch this movie. So I was into it and I was bought in. <laughs> and, yeah. Um, and then I I my very first coach that I hired was that's what she taught. And then I actually taught it a little bit in the beginning of my coaching business. And then, and I couldn't name it, but it started to not feel right. And yeah. I would say things like, if I can do it, anyone can. And then, but I mean, this was way before people were having conversations about privilege and things like that. And, right. and actually the very first person that ever pointed it out to me was um, my friend, Mara Glatzel. And you know, Mara? No, I don't think She's so. great. God, I haven't talked to her in so long. But we were I had written a post about that actually became a chapter in my first book. And the title of it was That Perfect Body Isn't Gonna Bring You Jack Shit. And it was about um, I was up on my soapbox about how, you know, losing weight is not the answer and you need to love yourself and da 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 da. And she said, Yeah, and you mm-hmm. need to own your privilege because I being a, yes, being a white woman, but also I have thin privilege. It's, you know, it's in my genetics and I've never had to struggle with my weight. And so, and she mm-hmm. pointed that out. And of course I was defensive at first, but wait, you know, da, da, da. Mm-hmm. And she's like, no, <laughs> let's, you know, let's have this conversation. And so, and that was a long time ago. She was the first person that pointed that out to me. And, and then I kind of connected the dots of like, oh, that's why it, I, I feel like it was the, the, I feel like it was the universe saying, nudging me mm-hmm. and saying like, Hey, you need to look at this. And it's, um, it's been a journey from there. I pulled products that I had on there where I talked about manifestation um, because, and, and now in 2018, as we're recording this, it's a conversation that's being had more, but I, I think that that's a lot yeah. of what you were pointing to. Absolutely. Yeah. It's so important that we not only own our privilege, which I think is incredibly important, especially with everything that's going on in this country and in the world. I mean, it's just like, it's, it's about time, yeah. you know, um, and long overdue, but yeah, I think there's a place for all of it. And I think, at the same time, we need to really be mindful of what we're saying when we just talk about like these manifestation principles that sound so easy and like are definitely leaving out the majority of the population who literally doesn't even have time to think these positive thoughts half the time, you know, or like doesn't have the energy or the resources that are needed to be able to sit in meditation for hours and hours at a time because they're Mm -hmm. trying to feed their five children or you know, take care of their sick husband or whatever, you know what I mean? It's just like, it's just ridiculous. So, um, yeah. Yeah. It's, I think, I think, I hope that it's, it's changing and it's shifting. And I think there are some principles of it that can be really helpful for people. Like you were saying, like, it's not, it's not to like blame and shame the entire personal development industry. I just take, I take what I want and leave the rest. So I do think it's important to just think about what you're focusing on. And, and if you have a chronic illness, then, Mm -hmm. then take care of that as well, which kind of, is a great segue for what I want to ask you about, because I know that part of your journey has been about self-love and, and also self-care. So you say on your website, on the most mm-hmm. difficult days, self-care was my saving grace. So can you, mm-hmm. I like to hear, we talk about self-care a decent amount over here, but I'd like to hear other people's explanation and what that really looks like in their lives. So can you, can you tell us about that? Yeah, of course. I mean, for me, self-care starts with knowing thyself. And that is 
the first step of the journey, right? Because a lot of times you can go online and, and look at people saying, oh, I, I think you should do a downward dog every morning. That's how you're going to feel like you care about yourself more. You love yourself more. But really it's about knowing when I wake up in the morning, like this morning was a good example. I woke up in the morning. I was really, I felt so peaceful and happy when I woke up this morning. It was such a nice, nice feeling. I don't, I don't wake up every morning like that. Just, just mm-hmm. so you know, but this morning I was really present to the fact, like I was smiling a lot, you know, just being awake. And I, I, I cleaned my house yesterday and I bought myself flowers yesterday and I just, I don't know, I just felt good, you know? And then I took my time this morning and I kind of was like, okay, what do you need to do right now? Do you want to go to the gym right now? Or do you want to have some bone broth or do you want to like, almost like you were taking care of, of your loved one. Mm-hmm. Right. So like, what do you actually want in this moment? And I think even with you saying like, you didn't exactly know what it was, but something just didn't feel right. You yeah. know, when you were talking about that stuff before, it's like just knowing thyself enough to know this feels really good. This doesn't feel really good. I mean, it sounds so simple, but that's really what self-care, how self-care starts. So for me, when I was going through the depths of my, you know, hardest times with, with my psoriasis and psoriatic arthritis, that was really from 19 to about 26. I couldn't move or, you know, get around a lot. I couldn't hold a job. I I was going through a divorce. I was going through all of these intense things. And it almost felt it's those moments in your life where like, it feels like nothing is going to make a difference because there's so much going on, Mm -hmm. but the smallest, tiniest things make all the difference in the world. Yeah. You know, so I would just do things like, you know, when you have a chronic illness and it's not just for people who have a chronic illness, but especially when something is off with your body and out of alignment with your body, the last thing you want to do is be with your body. So I made a practice of that. You know, I, I tried to disassociate from my body so many times in so many ways. And we see that all over this country. People are doing that with drugs, sex, alcohol, you know, hatred, whatever, right? We're always disassociating from ourselves, many of us. So that was really the beginning of the practice was like taking lotion or taking some beautiful, you know, oils that I found and that were really nourishing and actually just spending time with my legs, you know, and putting the oil and the lotion on my legs that were really struggling and my legs that were in so much pain and talking to them and saying, I'm so, and I get like teary eyed when I, when I talk about this, because it was so heavy for me, you know, at the time it was so heavy. It was so, it was one of the hardest things to do you know, to look at these legs that I felt like had betrayed me that hadn't been the legs that I wanted them to be or the arms or the, you know, body or my face or my scalp or whatever part of my body it might've been. And just say, I see you. I'm sorry that, you know, you're in so much pain and I love you. Like Mm -hmm. as I'm putting lotion or, you know, giving myself a scalp massage. So those are the ways that it starts. And now it's, you know, transitioned into, like I said, yesterday, I bought myself a beautiful, um, bouquet of flowers, which I hadn't bought myself flowers in a while. And they made me like so happy. Um, and I, you know, I got my house, my apartment cleaned cause I've just been so busy. And I was like, Oh, I really would just love for my apartment to be clean. And it feels great. 
Um, I go to like get an oat milk latte at my favorite coffee shop basically every single morning. Um, and I just have one every day, but it makes me so happy mm-hmm. and, you know, having friends in my life that are just so meaningful and really supportive and actually aligned with the kind of relationships that I want. So yeah. that's what self-care is. I mean, it's all of those things, right? Mm-hmm. It's, it's, it's all of that. Yeah. I think the thing that jumped out at me the most, at how you were describing all of your different self-care practices is that it sounds like you were intentionally reestablishing a nurturing relationship with your body. Mm-hmm. And that that had been, it sounds like that had been the source of a lot of your emotional pain. Yeah. Growing up. Yeah. I hated my body. Mm-hmm. I hated my body for, and I didn't even know I hated it. Right. Because it's so common. It just was normal. Mm-hmm. It's just so normal. It's so normal for most people. And then add somebody who has a chronic illness, who has, you know, a disability, who, you know, can't get up, who can't, whatever, add all those layers or who's always feeling sick or whatever it might be, you know? And it's just like, you just want to be like, really body, like screw you. Get it together. Yeah. uh, Mm -hmm. Yeah. And you don't even know. I mean, for me, at least I didn't even know because I was 10 years old when I got sick. So it's not like I had years of having a healthy relationship with my body that like I was aware of. And then all of a sudden, you know, it switched and then I had something to like revert back to like, it, no, it was like how I just was, you know? So yeah, so I had to really own, and that's where the the self-help industry and the manifestation stuff I think does make such a difference is that that's an integral part, right? It wasn't like, it was a very meaningful part of my journey to be able to actually connect with my body and you know, feel like, um, I was in relationship with my body and have beautiful conversation with my body to repair the hatred that had built up, Mm -hmm. you know, and that, that was very important for sure. Well, and I, I love that you, um, I believe it was in the summer, uh, recording this in 2018, you wrote a letter to your body and I Mm -hmm. had done a similar exercise and posted it on my blog. This was way back in about, I think 2009 or 2010, as I was, I had, I felt like I had come out of a lot of the symptoms of my eating disorder and it was very therapeutic for me, but I I love this letter. We'll link to it in the show notes and you, it's basically, it's an apology letter. And then you, you have this list of promises of, you know, what you're intending to do going forward as you're, as you're writing. And I, and I've given this exercise to clients many, many a time. So it's like, if you're, Mm -hmm. you're writing the letter as you would write to it, like if your body were your friend, if your body were this other person, its own entity, what would you need to say? to this person? Mm -hmm. What would you need to clean up? Would you have to make amends for anything? Would you have to reestablish the relationship? So how was that for you in writing that? Was it easy? Was it challenging? How was it? I mean, it was, I don't know if it was easy or challenging, but it was definitely, um, it was a very vulnerable thing for me to do. Mm -hmm. Like when I was writing it, it was because I went through this year, actually I've been through like several months of my health flaring up and it's been, it's really frustrating because I actually went through like a good year and a half of it being pretty stable. 
Um, and that, you know, no matter how long you've had this stuff, it's like the second you get some relief, you just think that that's how it's going to be forever. And you forget <laughs> that there's some chance of maybe, maybe something changing at some point. Um, so I was like shocked and appalled that, you know, my body was having a flare up, mm-hmm. um, earlier this year and, and throughout the whole summer. And finally I just, I was so I, that was when I noticed, right? Like how I said, I couldn't, I didn't really have any, you know, positive vibes to revert back to. That was when I noticed like, Oh, I'm usually much more loving and kind to myself than this. Like I'm not being very positive right now. Like I noticed that I'm being so frustrated. I'm so angry. I just like want to scream at my body. And I had, I just like had to do it. You know, I just had to do it because I was just holding on to all of this energy that, um, that my body was absorbing. So I don't know. I, I mean, I cried the entire time, Mm -hmm. (laughs) you know, Mm -hmm. I was writing it and I just, and I really shared it because I know that although sharing about my chronic illness has been really hard, like it's been harder in some ways than I thought it would be. And it's been a million times more rewarding than I could have ever imagined. Um, you know, it, I shared it because I knew that other people needed to, to probably hear that and do the same. And that like, if I'm feeling this, like other people are too, you know? Um, yeah. So it was an interesting exercise. I would love for everyone listening to, I'll post a link in the show notes to mine as well. And, uh, Nitikas will be in there as well. I just, I think it's such a great exercise for people to do. And maybe even if you just have a goal, some people sit in front of a blank page and they're like, oh my God, thinking that it has to be this 3000 word essay. It doesn't. I mean, just start with the goal of a paragraph, start with the goal of a sentence and, and see where that takes you. So I want to ask, um, about, you know, kind of circling back to self-love and what are, cause I always want people to be able to walk away with some practical things that they can do to incorporate what we talk about into their lives. So what are some ways listeners can walk away from this interview and love themselves maybe just a little more, or even sort of like dig deeper around a certain topic that will get them on that way? Sure. I mean, I think the first thing is to kind of take some time and maybe it's like even just 15 minutes um, of your day and journal or make a note in your phone, whatever you feel most comfortable with and understand what your baseline is. Right. So like, that's what I mean when I say, understand who you are, understand what you are. So that when something arises that doesn't feel good, you know, Oh, this is what happens when something's out of whack or something's out of alignment. And then you also know how to follow things that make you feel lit up and bright and joyful. So maybe it's like making a list of things that don't feel good and that bring you joy, or it's making a list of actual feelings and symptoms that happen when you're closer to one of those things. That is super helpful because then you kind of have your own little cheat sheet as you're going around your life. Um, And then I would say another thing is make sure that the people that you're surrounding yourself with are aligned with how you want to feel when you're at your best. Mm -hmm. And I just think there's just nothing stronger in this world than having a tribe of people that you can, you know, really feel like you can lean on. And I don't have necessarily like a click or a huge tribe like that. I've just collected friends over the years. And I think I've really, as I've gotten older, had to really like narrow it down to say like, does this person, is this person aligned with how I want to communicate 
with how I want to spend my like free time, my, you know, fun time. Are they aligned with, like, do I feel energized after I leave them? Do I feel drained? You know, even just simple things like that can help you kind of figure it out. And listen, if you're left with one person at the (laughs) end of this inventory, you hold on to that one awesome person in your life. And then you start asking the universe, praying, you know, setting the intention, whatever the language is that you want to use and looking for the people that are going to make you feel as good as that one person makes you feel. Yeah. I recently went through a transition where I, I changed friendships a lot and I let go of a lot of friendships. And at first I was like, um, okay, I have like one friend left. What am I going to do? Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? But it's been a beautiful journey to kind of notice that there's actually a bunch of people that have come into my life since then, but they're way more aligned with how I want to feel. And, um, so that's another thing. And then I would say like one last thing just as a starter would be to pick a time of day that's just for you. And I know like someone, if they're a mom out there or you're running a huge company or you're just like struggling to make ends meet, that might sound like a load of crap and I totally get it. But even if it's like three minutes, okay, even if it's three minutes, like sometimes when I'm in a really busy space, I take the time when I'm brushing my teeth to repeat a loving mantra to myself Mm -hmm. and to like do a little inventory on like, okay, how am I feeling today? Like, okay, I feel good. Or you know what? I wish this was happening. Like just kind of check in with myself. If you have a little more time, I tend to take the morning and I wake up at like seven, but then I don't really get to work until almost nine. Um, just, I mean, I work for myself, but like, I don't really start work stuff until almost nine. Because I kind of take the morning to like ease into my day, you know, and just like organize my thoughts, do a little meditation, drink some bone broth, you know, Mm -hmm. um, it's like all those things. And that's my time for myself. So I think picking one time of the day where you can kind of check in and, and nurture yourself is great. Making sure you have a really beautiful tribe and that you clean out people that are not aligned and then also creating a checklist of your baseline for things that are going to make you feel good and things that you want to avoid. Yeah. I think that what I, what I got away from that is like, you have to be intentional about it. Like you have Mm -hmm. to personally, you know, given that I have two small children and a company and you know, the extracurricular activities of them, the extracurricular activities of me and and a partner and, and a dog. And it's, um, it's Mm -hmm. the thing that becomes the last priority. And so if I don't, this is with with my workouts and things that you just mentioned, if I don't schedule it in, then I will not do it. And that's with any kind of stretching and meditation and things like that. But I, I love what you mentioned about, And this is something I've gotten away from is like checking in with how I feel. Usually I don't notice until it's like beating me over the head. And at that point, it's, it's a bit of an emergency Mm -hmm. (laughs) and it could have been resolved earlier had I just paid attention. But instead, you know, when I'm brushing my teeth and flossing and flossing actually is one of those things where (laughs) I feel like it's such a huge act of self-care for me. You know, I've gotten older and dental health is such a big thing. And I just Mm -hmm. finally found something actually that works for, for flossing. Cause I had a, you know, I, I still have my wisdom teeth. So it's a lot of teeth back there. And like, even, (laughs) even the dental hygienist has a hard time getting your fingers back there. So anyway, I found this thing that really works for flossing. All that to say, I feel like that is, this might sound so dumb, but I think that is like a radical act of self-care. It's not dumb at all. It's like a year. It's not dumb at all. It's like, 
we know those things that like, I bet you every time you floss, you feel like a freaking super. I feel like I'm winning at life. (laughs) Yes. That's what it's about though. That is literally what it's about, right? It's like, it doesn't matter if like someone else flosses and they never think about it, but then like they never, you know, do things that you do that you don't think about. It's like, that's what I mean when I say like your, your baseline. Yeah. Like what's the thing that makes you feel like there are things that I do when I finish them, I'm just like, I can rule the world. Yes. I am the most amazing person ever. I love myself so much. And it's so ridiculous. And then I'll do a hundred other things that I like never even think about that I just do in my sleep. And it's so easy for me, but for someone else, it would be hard, you know? Yeah. So that's what it's about. That's amazing. Well, and like it took my more. dentist saying, <laughs> because I've never, um, I have had one cavity my whole life and it was so small that he didn't even have to shoot me with Novocaine. It was just tiny. And, and, but he said, here's what really got me. He said, because you still have your wisdom teeth. And if you look at the roots, like he showed me the x-rays, he's like, I wouldn't remove these. I would send you to a specialist because you're older. And it just, it did not sound like a fun surgery. And he said, you have enough room for them. The key is that you have to keep them clean or else Mm -hmm. if you, this scared the crap out of me. He's like, if you, um, if you don't, what can end up happening is that, and I think this is like worst case scenario, but he didn't say this. You can get, you can get like infections that go into your bone and then they have to like remove your jawbone. It sounded so incredibly scary. And I don't have fear of dentists because I've, I haven't had any work to, I just, I don't fear them at all. Yeah. So, but that scared the crap out of me. And also, you know, getting that small cavity. And I asked, why would I not have any cavities until I think I was 37 when I got it? And he said, honestly, it's because of age. It just, it just starts to happen. You have to be more vigilant Mm -hmm. about your dental health as you age. Mm -hmm. And so it is, it's one of those things that partially out of vanity, partially totally fine. Listen, vanity is a great motivator. Jawbone. Yeah. (laughs) Totally fine. It's, It's just one of those things. Anyway, I got on the topic because I could, what I could do is as I'm flossing, check in with my body, like see how I'm feeling. Am I feeling tightness in in any way? Is there, for me also checking in, do I need to talk to anybody about a certain thing? Do I need to check in with anyone? You know, is there somebody I haven't talked to in a while that, that would probably really love to have me reach out and say, Hey, I was thinking of you and just wondering how you are. Okay. And things like that. And yeah. oh gosh, it's just, it's so simple. But I, circling back to what you said earlier about how disconnected we have become from our bodies. And I think, you know, I, I have a lot of listeners who are in recovery um, mm. from various things, you know, specifically yeah. alcohol and eating disorders. And, you know, those are the things that we do to try to disconnect. And mm-hmm. it's, you know, even if someone's sober, whether it's from their eating disorder symptoms or um, self hatred or alcoholism or whatever. I think that we come out of that sometimes and we're like, I have, I don't even know, I don't even know what to do or what it's like to actually be connected. Like you say, like to know thyself, mm-hmm. where do I even start? So all that to say, I think that's a great start is just to do yeah. that check-in while you're brushing your teeth. Yeah. It's so simple. I mean, hopefully we all brush our teeth at least yeah. once a day. At least once a day. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Okay. Well, I absolutely love this conversation. And I know that you have, there's a couple of things I want to point people to. Uh, and I didn't know this about you. So you have a group that is specifically for people who struggle with chronic illness, correct? Yeah. I have um, 
the chronic illness crew on Facebook. It's a private Facebook group and it's honestly like one of the most inspiring places on the internet for me. Yeah. It's just filled with people who either have chronic illnesses or also people who like are practitioners or healers that help people with chronic illness and, um, people who love someone that has a chronic illness. So it's a really beautiful. We'll link to that. Yeah. We'll link to that in the show notes. And then as well as, you know, if people want to learn more about you, about what you offer, where do you want them to go? And we'll link to that in the show notes as well. I think the best place to go is my Instagram. Mm -hmm. Um, I kind of talk about everything that you need to know about what I'm up to on my Instagram. So if you go there, you'll be directed and led and guided and all of that. (laughs) And it'll be in the show notes, but you're at Nitika Chopra, right? Yeah, exactly. Okay. I'm trying to think, do I follow you? And if not, why not? Why not? I will now. Thank you so, (laughs) so, so much for being here and sharing your wisdom with us and anything last minute that you want to say to feel complete. No, I'm so, I'm so happy that you, you asked me to do this and I'm so glad that I got to talk to your audience. So I can't wait for more to connect with all of you. Thank you. And as always, um, to all my listeners, Thank you so much for joining us. I know how valuable your time is and I never take that for granted. I'm just grateful that you choose to spend it with me and my guests over here on the podcast. And until next time, everyone, I will see you all out in cyberspace. Bye-bye. 